Welcome. You're listening to the Disability Spotlight podcast, lighting the way for disability in the sector. I'm Renee Fraser, Occupational Therapist, Disability Spot Executive Member. Disability Spot is a dedicated group of speech pathologists, physiotherapists and OTs that volunteer their time to provide the best practice professional development and networking opportunities for those of you working in the disability sector. I'm here to introduce you to a series of 11 podcasts on goal-setting tools. These podcasts were developed for Disability Spot by students from Western Sydney University, namely Nicole Muck, Robbie Kabunkel, Bronte Gwyneth Valentine-Jones, Jennifer Labaz, Katenda Machero and Karen Farmy. These students surveyed Disability Spot members and then researched a series of goal-setting tools. Feel free to listen to them all or to dip in and out of specific tools that interest you. However, be sure not to miss the last episode, which features an interview with a parent on the Pictability tool. This episode goes well beyond the attributes of the goal-setting tool and includes lived experience. I hope you enjoy listening. Hey everyone, we are a group of occupational therapy students who have created this podcast series on goal-setting tools for you, the members of Disability Spot. This episode on the Goal Attainment Scale is presented to you by Jen and Karen. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Karen here again. Today we're going to be discussing another outcome measure called the Goal Attainment Scale, or GAS for short. So basically, the Goal Attainment Scale is a standardised, client-focused goal-setting tool that acts as a framework for documenting specific individual goals that are quantifiable, so that they can then be used to measure progress or regression which is really helpful in therapy. The method for setting goals and measuring the degree of goal achievement is by creating an individualized five-point scale. So it goes from minus two to plus two, with zero being the expected level of outcome, minus one being less than expected, minus two being much less than expected, and then on the other side, plus one being better than expected and plus two being a much better than expected outcome. So in terms of using the tool, um, it's also used in conjunction with SMART goals. So once a SMART goal is made, a scale composed of graded series of expected level of achievement is set. And at least two points in each scale should be precise and objective descriptions to enable an unfamiliar person that is watching to determine whether the patient lies above or below that point. And then these points are then assigned to a numerical value, which was discussed before with the minus two to plus two scale. So in terms of demographic, Karen, who would you believe this is best suited to? Well, the interesting thing about this tool is it can actually be used with any client, any diagnosis, any goal. And it's really up to the therapist to determine how they want to use it. It's just basically used for a goal that has a measurable component to it. When interviewing an occupational therapist, she stated that she uses it for kids for handwriting goals and with tasks or skills that are broken down into steps. So she mentioned that it provides a nice way to communicate with parents and this specific OT, her clients range from 4 to 16 years of age. When we talk about how to conduct this specific assessment tool, we can do it on paper or on a computer or desktop. So it can be part of a pre-made template on treatment notes. We had one therapist said she fills in the table and then sends it to the parents, teachers involved. 
so that they have that visual in front of them, which provides motivation. In terms of how long this also takes to administer, it varies between clients, but it also depends on how sophisticated the goals are. Sometimes this can actually take up to 40 minutes. Therapists usually aim to keep the goals simple, especially when dealing with children. The um, gas goals usually have a time frame or date to achieve it. However, a therapist that we spoke to today, she also mentioned that she leaves out the time aspect of the goal as it puts too much expectations and pressure on families. It takes about five to 10 minutes for each goal. There's no formal training actually required to complete gas goals. Therapists usually learn about it in university or through their other colleagues and training sessions in their workplaces. Karen, would you like to discuss any costs related to gas goals? Yeah, we got some great news here. We'll be happy to hear that there are no costs for the gas goals and therapists make their own table with the scales and they can just customize it as they deem fit for the client, which is a really big bonus. And speaking on bonuses, we can talk about advantages. So one big one is it can be used with any age and any diagnosis. And it's kind of more of a process or a method rather than a tool. So it's endlessly versatile and it allows the therapist to meet the needs of each individual client and their unique situation. It also encourages clients to reach their desired goal when having a visual table in front of them. We've heard of therapists who have changed the numbers from negative two to plus two and changed it to just normal numbers above zero, like one to five. And we've heard of therapists who even color code just to get creative and to really make it visual appealing for the client and their family. So this assessment tool really does encourage clients to be involved in setting their goals and having that visual in front of them really provides a lot of motivation. So Another advantage is it can be used as an outcome measure for complex interventions. Of this one, so in terms of limitations, not being a fixed tool, it can lack psychometric properties, usually expected of assessment and measurement tools. But in saying this, it has been accepted in numerous clinical fields as it's quite simple and easy to use. So another one is they can be very dependent on the user and their ability. So the scoring is also subjective to the therapist when rating, especially between plus one and plus two in terms of telling the difference. Clinicians also don't really like putting negative scores as this can discourage clients. Another point to also make is clinicians are sometimes unsure about how to score their clients as there's no manual or detailed instructions on how to do this. It's all up to interpretation. And the therapist also has to decide which singular factor will be adjusted in every scale. For example, the level of prompting required, the frequency and duration, so it may not be equal intervals between each scale. The gas goals are also dependent on the clinician's ability to predict outcomes of the client. So experienced therapists may have difficulty with this at the start and will have to backtrack and recreate goals. Speaking about experience, after speaking to speech pathologists today, we noticed that although a limitation of this tool may be the therapist might be a bit confused as to which variable to change and how to break up each of the scales, with experience, it actually becomes easier and therapists learn to adapt this specific measurement tool to suit their clients. So we've had actually um, a therapist who really breaks down a goal into steps 
and would have a scale for each step or one aspect of a goal. Um, we've also had another therapist who would do the goals into stages and have the five scale for one stage. And once that's achieved, move on to the next stage. And this way, the client feels like they're progressing and achieving. And when, and, and um, they've also mentioned that clients love numbers. So seeing the progress being reflected in number is quite motivating for clients. So I think that's all today for our gas goals. Hey guys, Brenda here. Before we move on to our next goal, I am just going to insert an interview I had with Trish, who's a physio, on her experience with gas goals. Hey Trish, how are you going today? I'm well, thank you. <laughs> how are you? Good. Thank you so much for speaking with me and our group today. So I would like to talk about the gas goals first. So why do you use this tool? actually supervise students and I've realized in doing that the reason is that especially in disability I find that you're not always for whatever reason achieving your goal exactly so you can set a goal but the great thing about gas is having those stepping stones if we work in the pediatric setting if a child goes through a really long hospital admission and therefore our goal at the start of six months was walking but because of something you know, unseen that happens, I can still show that we had progress and that therapy was still successful, even if we've only gone up to a minus one. So it, it's a good way of quantifying progress that may not mean goal achieved, because it's very brutal to be like goal achieved, goal not achieved, but the gas is a great way of going, hey, it's less than expected, but we still had progress. And for NDIS, that's really important because we're having to constantly justify like, why do we need to fund therapy? Yeah, we haven't hit that goal, and you know, if you just go not achieved or achieved, they're going to question what was the point of the last twelve months. If you explain, look, we had a six-month hospital admission and spinal surgery, and we still had some progress. I find that um, really helpful. Other reason I like gas goals is because it helps you set your next goal. So with gas, you should always be getting zero. You should be getting your expected, and therefore you go up to plus one, and you go now. I know where I'm going next. But it just really helps with that stepping stones because otherwise I think, especially in physio, we go, all right, I want a child walking and then what's next? Well, jumping isn't next. It's about how they're walking. And that's what your, you know, your plus one could be. And with a really good smart gas ball, it's very easy because your zero might be to walk for one meter without falling on a flat surface. And then your plus one could be one meter on an incline surface or it could be two meters on a flat surface but it's just really easy to then I think especially as you start out as a therapist or your student to to work towards slightly attainable rather than just going this child's going to walk well where are they going to walk how are they going to walk how many times are they going to fall when they walk so that kind of stuff gas really helps to keep everything nice and clear how long have you been using gas goals for probably nearly four years now since I started this job. So you've talked about some of the advantages of gas goals. Can you think of any disadvantages? Because if you're using it with a smart goal, and I often tell students, if you say, well, Bronte to jump 10 times in a row and your baseline is once, what happens if they jump four times? You know, so there's not a 0.15 or, so you have to make it very specific. So you'd have to say like, 
LeBron needs to jump six dash ten times in a row, or you just have yeah you have to be a little bit specific. Which in life is not not like some kids won't you know one day they'll jump ten times in a row easy, and the next it's a slow day and they'll jump twice. So sometimes it can be like too specific, whereas you know, it would be easier to be like, now Bronte can jump. So that can be a disadvantage. I also find when you start out, it's kind of a skill to write a good gas goal, especially knowing that you're actually aiming for zero. Sometimes if you underestimate a child and you're at plus two, I think either something amazing has happened or your goals that weren't set correctly in the first place. So that can be a disadvantage, just getting takes time to get that skill and also to get that know that child you do an initial assessment and then you're setting gas goals and you're like how long will it take this child to process and there's so much else that impacts that right like we suddenly start becoming verbal and all the things click in and then oh actually you know we are at plus two because i underestimated what would happen so that yeah that would be my disadvantage a big thank you to Trish for speaking to us on the gas goals. As always, these episodes' key points and relevant links are listed in the description box. Next up, we have the Cape Pack with Jen and Karen. <laughs>